Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. Mike Dicker became Coach Dicker. Rubbing his hands through his hair, talking with people, talking with players that he never talks to, coaching them, smiling, and doing all this stuff. It was like, man. And, and, and then on Sunday, it would kind of come to a crescendo. And now it becomes Dicker, Coach Dicker. Coach Iron Mike. So when the cameras came on, man, this dude was the coach of the year. But when the cameras were not on, you barely knew he was in the room. It's intercepted. Picked up by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm a former NFL veteran, and now I'm a leadership and personal development speaker and coach. In this podcast, you will hear inspirational and humorous stories from leaders of all walks of life, from current and former professional athletes, coaches, authors, experts, executives, and successful business owners. Discover how these leaders not only overcame obstacles, but also learned core principles that led to their success when leading others. Hello, welcome to the Shark Effect. I love the the love that I'm getting. Um, people are subscribing, they're rating, and they're giving me a review. And I appreciate that, and that's how I grow organically. So for those of you who subscribe, rate, and review, and, and share, I'm going to be selecting uh, a few of you guys to send out some, some shirts, a hat, and a beanie. So it's going to kind of be a lottery. So what I need from you, I need for you to, to subscribe, rate, review, and share. And I also want you to uh, shoot me an email. Shoot me an email at the Shark Effect Podcast at gmail.com. So I know who you are. And from there, I'm going to kind of be 
doing a uh, a drawing, and I'll I'll hit you back, and I'll uh, I'll get your size and and see what you want, and I shoot it out to you. I plan on having some merchandise for sale in the future, but for right now I just want to uh, do some giveaways. So uh, this is my way of saying thank you for the support. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things that are actually four things, four things that I learned from a coach of mine. His name was Mike Dicka. So if you're not familiar with, with Coach Mike Dicka, his nickname Iron Mike, and this was before Mike Tyson, so he had the nickname first. But Coach Dicka coached in the NFL for many a years, uh, I want to say over a decade. And he was also a player. So he won a Super Bowl as a player, and then he also coached the world-famous Chicago Bears uh, back in 1985. They won the Super Bowl, and they won it primarily from their defense. But he has two Super Bowl rings, one as a player and one as a coach. So he has a a big personality. Um, After he finished coaching the Bears, he ended up going into TV. He worked for CBS for a, a number of years on their their uh their their pre football show, and he he just was a very big character, and the Saints end up hiring him as their head coach uh, back in 1997, and you know he he brought a ton of notoriety. He was everybody. He had fans wherever. When we got off the bus, wherever we went. This dude had more fans than any player that we had on our team. And, you know, he, he, he taught me some things. And most of the things he taught me, I believe, were unintentional. So, you know, being older now, I'm in my 40s, I can see things a little bit differently now, especially when I look back in my life. So I'm always looking to learn things from people who I encounter, both intentionally and unintentionally. I'm also looking for things that the decisions that I made, the attitude that I had back in the day. So I think differently, I'm wiser, right? I think differently now than I did back when I was 22 and 23. And so um, I've just been thinking about this, these, but, but these are four things that I learned from my time with Coach Dicka. He had this open door policy. So when we first, well, when he first came to coach us, he would say how his door was always open. He had an open door policy. You have any issues, any questions, any qualms, hey, come to my office. The door is always open. Well, that's not the right way how to lead. There's a lot of us, and we we played in the NFL. We're... You know, we're men playing in the NFL, tough sport and all that stuff. Man, everybody was intimidated to go up there and talk to a Coach Dicker. There was only a few that when they had issues that you would go out and reach up to him. You know, he's in the front office. He's upstairs. That's intimidating, man. How I would have went about it was... Man, create relationships. Talk with your players. See what's going on in their lives. Are they having issues on and off the field? 
that was a hey, that was a lazy way how to lead, saying you have an open door policy. If you're having an open door policy, you're losing the battle before it even starts. Create those relationships. And with that open door policy, I, I tested it. You know, there's certain times where you have to test out relationships. And I tested it. It was in my it was in my third year. Excuse me, it was in my fourth year. So in 99. And I, I felt that I should be playing. I end up, I was uh, I started my second and my third year, and then in my fourth year, I lost my starting job. And I wanted to know from my DB coach, his name was Coach Carlos Maynard, is I wanted to know how did I lose it? Can I get it back? What do I need to do? Because I was having a, a pretty good camp, but I lost my starting job. So I was perplexed. I was, man, hold on, you're telling me that there's another guy better. I can take that. I can take it. But how can I improve? Why? I want to know these things. And Carlos told me to take it up with Coach Dicka. Well, that, I'm confused because <laughs> I'm thinking my DB coach was the one that was in charge of, you know, the decisions of that. But it wasn't. It was the head guy. So I went up. Knocked on his door, went in and, you know, asked him, I, you know, I was, I know I did it in the right way, in the right context. And I just wanted some clarity. And I made sure I, I was, you know, I came from a, uh, a position of respect. Well, by the time of the, the end of the meeting, that respect was blown. It was out the door. We were yelling at each other, and I I asked for a trade. And I knew when I was asking for a trade, that would probably be the end of my days in New Orleans, whether I get traded or I will be at the end end of the bench. <laughs> but I asked for a trade. And he said that they couldn't do it because the, you know, the language or whatever of my contract and the ramifications of, of me, you know, with my contract. Now, I know that wasn't the truth because they tried to trade me a year before when they tried to get Ricky Williams running back out of Texas, the Heisman Trophy winner. And I know my name had came up in trade talks to move up the, uh, the draft board. So I know that wasn't the truth. But I'm saying this is, I made a mistake with that open door policy. You know, I tried to test it, but really it was my, uh, my lack of respect for authority. The lack of respect for authority. That's, that's point number two. The first one is don't have an open door policy. The second thing I learned is you have to respect authority. There's no way on God's green earth a employee should be yelling at their boss 
and then keep their job. Now, I understand the platform of football and for for some of the players, we're making more than our boss. We're making more than I should have respected his position. I didn't have to like the man. I didn't necessarily have to even give him respect. That's earned. But I should respect his position. He's the head coach. I should respect the position of a police officer, of a teacher, of the president of the United States. I need to respect the position of authority. No matter how I'm treated, I have I still have to give that position the proper amount of respect. I learned that. I learned it the hard way. The third thing I learned from Coach Dicka is you have to align your words with your actions. You have to align your words with your actions. Dicka would come out to practice and he would be on his golf cart. He had a he had a um, he had a titanium hip or something like that. He had he had some hip issues, and um, so he would be on his golf cart. He would say a couple words to us in practice, and that would be it. You wouldn't see him. Sometimes he would go in. Sometimes he would stay out and just watch from afar, saying very few words. Never said anything to us on the defensive side, but. It was, it was, it started to become like an ongoing joke is when the closer it got to game day, the more media would come out to practice and we would watch him. And when we got media out, especially the, the national media, now Mike Dicker became Coach Dicker rubbing his hands through his hair, talking with people, talking with players that he never talks to, coaching them, smiling, and doing all this stuff. It was like, man. And, and, and then on Sunday, it would kind of come to a crescendo. And now it becomes Dicka, Coach Dicka, Coach Iron Mike. So when the cameras came on, man, this dude, was the coach of the year. But when the cameras were not on, you barely knew he was in the room. His his actions did not match his words. And he was so inconsistent. He lost a ton of respect. He lost a ton of respect from Martine. From veterans all the way down to rookies, it just didn't make sense. If you're in a leadership position, the words that you, you have to be intentional on how you lead. You have to be intentional. You have, and it starts with matching your words to your actions. You say something, you do it. 
no matter who's watching. Here's the fourth thing I learned. I learned to be intentional with the type of culture that you want to create. You have to be intentional with the type of culture you want to create. Coach Dicka would come into our, you know, when we was on the road, sometimes he did this in the in our meeting rooms in New Orleans. He would do it on a bus, but he would light up and smoke a cigar. He tells us that he cares about us and wants us to be a great team and teammate and be great leaders. This dude would light up a cigar on the bus. When we landed, he would light up. We would go to the hotel. No smoking. This dude would light up. And also, that gave his coaches permission to light up and smoke. Can you imagine that? Two or three cigars on a on a bus. Now, we had multiple buses, you know, but nobody wanted to be on the first bus with Dick and the rest of the coaching staff. There's also some things that, you know, he, he, he wanted to have a tough team. He wanted to lay his head. That's the type of culture that he wanted to have. He wanted to have that toughness installed in us. And with that, I think unintentionally, he created this type of culture that that he didn't want. Case in point, his first year, my second year with with the Saints, and my second year with a, a great teammate, Eric Allen, uh, who played corner with me, opposite of me, and uh, we was playing in the San Francisco 49ers. We was having, you know, it was a tough, our, our offense sucked. I'm not going to lie. Dicka had, uh, I won't say promoted, but he had given the offense coordinator job to one of his cromies, one of his, his friends um, from his coaching days with the Bears. He, uh, he coached special teams, and when he came to the Saints, they promoted him to offense coordinator. Well, yeah, our offense sucked. Anyway, our defense was on the field the, the whole first half. And we was, you know, I mean, we was doing our, we was doing our thing against the high-powered Niners, the 49ers. They, they were high-powered. But we was holding tight, uh, given the amount of time we was on the field. Well, on one of the plays um, to end the first half, Eric Allen, our all-pro corner, you know, he gave up a pass to J.J. Stokes. Well, J.J. is 6'4", Eric is 5'10". And he's been putting a blanket on J.J. the whole day. And he he gave up a pass. It was like 20 yards or something like that. But um, it set them up uh, to, to kick a field goal and to score. And so the Niners were up probably at least seven points, uh, seven or ten points on us. Anyway, we go into the locker room. And Dicka is yelling and screaming at the offense as, as he should. And then he started to talk about the defense. And not really a whole bunch he could say. But all of a sudden, he turns, points his finger at Eric, and berates him. Our leader, he berates him in front of everybody and tells him how a terrible job he's doing. What? <laughs> Eric jumps up and starts cussing him out. 
and they run they run after each other. They get in a fight at halftime. Employee, employer, the boss, you know, they get into a fight. Now, thank goodness, you know, our teammates jumped in and they they you know they kind of grab them before they start beating beating the hell out of each other, but they end up breaking it up. But that was the culture. And that wasn't the first time. I've seen Dicker, man. He got into like heated arguments, damn near fighting. Like that that wasn't the first fight that Dicker start, started. And thank goodness it was broken up. But that was the culture. I know he was trying to make us tough or he wanted to have that tough-nosed team like the Bears, but that was a different era. And that stuff bled into how we conducted ourselves amongst our teammates. We were getting multiple fights. Now, I've been on teams where there's fights every so often that happens in training camp. But, man, that three years, oh, my goodness. There was a, there was hazing going on during our training camp, you know, with the, the rookies. You know, you, you know, you make them sing and stuff. That's, you know, on hard knocks. You know, they, they, they have their rookies sing and, you know, take the veterans out for dinner and stuff like that. Nah, not us. Man, we had players beating the hell out of them, like with pillowcases filled with soda cans, pennies and stuff like that, beating the hell out of them with their, with their uh, you know, they were blindfolded. That was the culture. Man, we had guys suing the saints because of that type of behavior. Now, I wasn't involved. I was in my room. I wasn't messing around with that. And I would hear about it, that that type of stuff happening. But I didn't say anything. I look back, I should have said something. I should have said something to our, our supposed leaders on the team and tell them, hey, man, we're trying to win. We're not trying to, you know, it shouldn't be about hazing these guys and beating the hell out of them. We need them on our team. They need to, to be able to play and produce and know this is a safe environment. I don't think the environment or the culture that Dicka created, I don't think he wanted that. But those are the four things that I learned. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm looking for ways how I can improve myself. And I didn't, I didn't see these learnings. I was just doing it at 22. Two, twenty-three, twenty-four. 24. I look back and now I understand how important it is to learn from prior experiences, prior mistakes. And I don't really look at it as a mistake, but it's, it was, man, that was an opportunity for me to show up in a different way. Now I'm using those to, to help myself become better, become better at leading, become a better father. You know, one of the, one of the, um, the aspects that you know, having that time and going through difficult times when you know, man, I was, I should have been playing. I didn't play. I played very few snaps that fourth year from going from the starter to not even being the nickel or the dime and not even playing special teams. 
I went to a time of immense struggle and I'm thankful for that time because it did a couple of things for me. It grew me. It made me insane. It grew me. It grew my faith. And I was going down, man, I was starting to, you know, do the typical stuff. I was pout and starting to act like a little baby. <laughs> Wouldn't give it my all. And then there was a coach who, you know, he connected with me and told me, he said, Alex, everybody knows you should be playing. But don't play for Dicka. Don't even play for the Saints. How you show up and how you play, do it for your faith. Do it for your Lord and Savior. And man, once I, I heard those words and he gave me some scripture to read and it opened my eyes, it, it, that was the major defining moment that was the transition that I needed to have. Truth be told, up until that point, football was going great. It was, I think I was going to play for 15, 20 years. And it gave me a new like life to like, I don't need to play for that man. I can play to give glory to my Lord and Savior. And... It just, it changed things. Like I would have the most joy going out there to practice. And I would practice like, like I was in a game. And it made me better. And it also turned me into a leader. People start looking at me and they, and, you know, towards the end of the season, one of my good buddies, you know, my the, the other starting cornerback, Tyrone Drakeford, came to me and said, man, hey, you know, what you're doing and how, and, and how you are uh, showing up every day and how you're balling out in practice, even though you should be on the field. Man, you're, you're having an impact. You're having an impact in my life. And that's all I needed to hear. And after that year, because Dick got fired, we sucked. We lost, I don't know how many games, only won like three or four, but he got fired and had a new coach. And had, I had a new zest for playing the sport that I loved. And, you know, th that was a, a huge transition in my life where, man, I, it just gave me new life. It was like opening up, you know, if one of your early Christmas presents or Christmases where you, you can't wait to go downstairs and open up the, the presents and whatnot. That's what I had from that, that day on in my career. And I had the best year of my career when Dicker was gone. So my, my, my last year with the Saints, at the best year up until that point. I just looked at things differently. So I want to thank Dicker. Uh, for teaching me, teaching me some things, things about the open door policy, respecting authority, aligning your words with your actions and being intentional 
with the type of culture that you want to create. Thank you, Coach. Until next time, I appreciate you guys listening and uh, giving support. Uh, you know, this one, from time to time, I want you guys to, to hear my voice a little bit more and just asking questions to my to my great guests. I want to be able to share some things that I've learned about my life and and now I own it. I own the the success and the, and and the failures that I that I've shown and that I've, I'm growing from because I know it can help somebody. So until then, hey, keep a shark in your tank. Keep a shark in your tank. Sometimes you're gonna have people in your life that intentional or unintentional, they're there to grow you. Always look to grow. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Shark Effect Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at thesharkeffect.com. Thanks for listening. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter developing your own procedures creating relationship roadmaps using adversity to your advantage right because we all go through tough times but how do you flip it how do you use it to power you okay and then developing your own standards so these are things that can help anybody not just not just athletes now there's some stories in there you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure, check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.